0: get off my lawn. LinkedIn, it's, I'm just going to die. Oh, I need to apologize for being absent. I've been uh, between the holidays and this, i have in a total work crunch this week. and I've been not on Slack at all. Oh, yeah. So, sorry about that. It happens. I will surface. I'm surfacing now to record this. So that's... Uh, <laughs> That's at least one bright spot, I guess. If if you consider that a bright spot, but well, I didn't put the word out that we we're recording. So, did we get? Have we gotten any unsolicited uh, questions or topics at our email address, which is what info, a, info at gooddancerpodcast dot com? Not at the email. Not we need to keep promoting way. that. You, we just need to regu- We need regular contributions to that. Send in your questions. I mean, you've got to, people have got to have questions about all kinds of stuff. And not that we have great answers, but we'll try and we'll make fools of ourselves. But that's part of the fun of it, right?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> oh, so, so you're encouraging questions to trump
0: us. Absolutely. Anyway, ah, uh, yeah, I'll try to. After this week, I think I will be. I will rejoin the living. You know, um, I my someone pointed that, this out to me that I think I'm going to have to con- convert my my peddly soul uh, certification, which is the. Developer cert to the app builder, so I'm, I'm going to become an app builder.
1: Why are you going to become an app builder?
0: Isn't the developer cert going away and you have to you have to get us something else and, there, and there's supposedly I didn't even know this someone told me I don't read these emails from Salesforce University uh, but apparently there's a conversion exam which is smaller than the normal one that you can convert from developer to app builder. Oh, I didn't hear about that or maybe it's platform builder or something I don't know what it's one of these builder things. I wasn't
1: aware of a conversion exam. I just thought you'd have to just take it. I don't know. I think there is.
0: It's something like, instead of 60 questions, it's only 20. Why? Is that because
1: people are like, oh, well, I don't really want to go through that mess again?
0: I think it's, I think it's Salesforce more saying, we don't, we don't need to put you through that mess again. You, you are already at a baseline of certification. We just need to quiz you on some of this other new stuff or something.
1: Then it would be to Platform builder, not maybe to, that's what it is. I, I mean, sorry, not platform um, to app builder, not platform
0: developer. I don't even know what any of these things mean. I don't know what an app is. I don't know what app builder means. I don't know what platform means. I don't know what platform builder means. I don't know what clouds mean. I don't know, do what, you know what the internet is. I don't sorry. know what Salesforce One <laughs> means. I don't know what Lightning means. I don't know what any of this crap means. Bots, AI. What else do we got? They got completely misnomered. Salesforce really should publish a compendium that they constantly update with their evolving definitions for words that they are uh, co-opting.
1: Cut into their revenue, man.
0: <laughs> How so?
1: Because <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be like a full-time job for like a ten of, team of oh, 100.
0: Sure. Cut into their... It, it, it cut them... Uh, it's it still the from their now, marketing so, right. budget. <clears throat> um, so I have a little bit of follow-up, and it's the monitor thing. So we talked about my new monitor that you got me for Christmas. Um, well,
1: we learned it. a few things about it, right? We learned that it was thund- that it's not Thunderbolt. The 4K is not Thunderbolt.
0: right? So this is the new LG UltraFine 4K, which right. is they were made famous by Apple's last whatever event that was, where they used them on stage. The, the 4K and the 5K, I think? Yeah. They had? So this is the 4K. Yeah, it's not Thunderbolt. It's USB 3. Right. But still, the only... Oh, you're right. Th- and that's why... So Apple currently has, I think, a grand total of two computers that can drive this monitor. The new MacBook Pro 2016 and the MacBook One, right. the most recent MacBook One, right? And I don't know if those are the only ones that have USB C, which is running USB three or three point one. I think so. This is also confusing. The, the fact that so many different things are going to use the same connector—I say so many. I mean, it's like it's USB and it's Thunderbolt. They use the same USB C connector. But when you talk about USB C, I mean, the problem is in people's heads, they'll say they'll say USB C, but what they really mean is. Is USB three, or they might be meaning Thunderbolt three. Yeah, right. It's like, what do you mean? I mean, you, what we have to try to remember is USB C is just the connector. Different thing. It's like it's a road, but on this road, you know, cars can drive, motorcycles can drive, and trucks can drive. You, which right. one are you? You know, you have to be. it's, it's confusing. But anyway, and then yeah, the five K is only. I think the only computer that Apple has that will drive that is the MacBook Pro 2016. That's it. Because that requires Thunderbolt three. That, yeah, that's Thunderbolt three. Yeah. Of course, probably I'm um, hopefully they'll be quickly upgrading the existing Mac line to uh Thunderbolt three. We'll see. We'll see. You know, there's uh, that whole controversy around how Apple's ha- handling Macs right now. Did you we didn't we didn't really talk about that, but that so you know, the the letter that Tim Cook wrote to employees answering like a someone wrote in a question about what are they doing with the Mac line. And he answered it, and it got leaked. (laughs) Which I think it was intended to be leaked. It's it's kind of one of those, I don't know, it's like a non-answer answer. answer. I mean, he talked about how they're committed to it, and the iMac 5K is the best computer they've ever made, and all that stuff, but it really was just, it it still was, it was just was not reassuring if you're a Mac fan. But anyway, back to the monitor thing. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you so first of all, I noticed it's been a while since I've got since I've done an external monitor with Max. The last time was before this, before I went to Retina, right? Because mm-hmm. as soon as I went to Retina, I stopped with the external monitor because I couldn't handle an external monitor being non Retina. The, the right that difference yeah. between Retina and non Retina was just killer. So I just went without. That's when I stopped using external monitors. And and then, and I don't know which it might have been Snow, Leopard or Snow Leopard or something. I don't remember which OS we were on. But it's I think it was the one that first introduced spaces because I remember the the bugs between spaces and multi-monitor and full screen were just horrible. Like you try to do full screen and it would it would you'd get full screen on one of your monitors, but all the other monitors were were blanked or blanked out or you saw the background or something. You couldn't keep them on what they were on. There was just all kinds of issues. Yeah. And I fixed that at some point, but I don't know when and I didn't care because I didn't have an external monitor. But now that I've got an external monitor again, have to say I'm really pleased with I mean this is one thing that when when Apple gets it right they really get it right the the details around multi-monitor just how it handles full screen and spaces and just the details matter and and I won't go into it but like even the whole windowing model this is more even essential to how macOS handles things versus like windows I think they get the windowing model better I think the drag and drop model is better that's why I run a Mac instead of windows but I guess it's probably obvious I would like the way that macOS does it better yeah, you're coming off as a little bit of a fanboy right now. <laughs> well, I'm no, I'm I'm not incredibly happy with Apple. I'm not. I don't know. I just com- if I'm comparing Mac to Windows, there's just there's enough things about Mac that I prefer over Windows. But uh,
1: I, I have I have enjoyed it, and I you know I, I've said it a number of times that I I kind of prefer them now over Windows, and I, I still continue to try to use Windows when I can
0: or when I need to. And for all I know, I mean, the multi monitor support in Windows has gotten way better, but. Uh, last time I saw it, it was not, but and that's been a while. But one th- one thing I would like to do that I don't think the their multi monitor s- model supports is I would like to have my dock on the side of this screen, and no, not the dock. Yeah, I'd like to have the dock on the side of this screen, but I would like to have the the command tabbing m- app switching mm-hmm. uh, you know heads up thing on this screen, on a different screen. Oh yeah, and I don't think that's possible. It might not be. They all want to be on... Well, the, the app switcher dialogue is always on the same screen that the dock's on. Yeah. Because I like to have my dock on the side, so I want it docked way over here. I don't, I don't like looking at the dock that much, but I also don't like it being um, invisible where it's hidden. Yeah. I mean, that's just a minor nit, but that was one question.
1: But overall, screen, screen quality, you know, resolution, so all that kind of screen,
0: stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. You no, know, the color temperature is a little different. And it's not, I don't know, i look at it right now, it looks pretty similar. But there's certain times when I I think I noticed the color temperature being different. And that's one thing we talked about with this MacBook Pro 2016, is that I felt like the color temperature was much different than the MacBook Pro's before this. Yeah, I think it is. Only that's just me, or what, but. Um, Another thing I've noticed, and I think this is a bug. So I'll have my external monitor as like the main monitor that has the dock. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, if these things go to sleep, I'll come back after lunch or something, turn it back on. My dock has moved back to my laptop screen. And the only way that I know I have to get it back is to move it to the side or somewhere other than the bottom and then move it back to the bottom. And then it goes back to my external monitor screen.
1: You should build a mouse over to your external screen and just put your mouse on the bottom and it should just bring it over. What? Do what? <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, if you, cause I, I'm, I'm going to try it right now. There's only one way to move the dock nowadays. You, no. should, you should drag it. Watch, watch. I'll show you. Watch. Okay. So I can't really see what you're doing. Oh. I'm going to show you because I'm using my, okay. my faux this second makes, monitor. This makes so sense. it's excellent, there.
0: Excellent podcast material. Everyone look at John's screen. Yeah.
1: Okay, so it's on my computer now. All okay. I'm doing is coming over here with my mouse and just dropping down, and it shows up.
0: Oh, you ha- you're hiding docks, right? No. Okay, let me try this.
1: You just put your mouse and drop it down and let it sit there, and it'll move the dock. There. <gasps>
0: Wow! Oh, <laughs> uh, John. That's the second thing you've taught me this week, which reminds me. I, I need to make sure I talk about the other thing you, talk, you taught me this week. That is amazing. And see, God, that's such a nice feature. That's a great feature. Now It is, because I, I use it all the time. You know, maybe I'm a moron that I couldn't discover that feature by myself, but... ah, oh, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad I could help. I'm done. Yeah. backdrop drop. <laughs> exactly. Um, Going home. And then my next question was how to arrange slash use two monitors. Oh, okay. I know what I meant by this. So it's just the idea that, okay, I have this now, I have this one, you know, big 21 and a half inch monitor. That's like obviously the main one, it's the external one, but I still have my laptop screen. Mm -hmm. So how do you work? Do you I say you just not you, but I mean how should a person work? Do you just close the laptop and operate in clamshell mode? Or you know, you can you can keep the laptop open. And keep your like your of course it's off to the side. So you'd want to keep your less frequently used things over there. Yeah. Cause here you're, you're not breaking your neck all day. Yeah. Looking over to the side. And I I haven't really figured out what I want to do. Um, I kinda like having this over you know, this the the laptop screen over to the side and I'll keep like my instant message stuff over there. Yeah. I can see it if something pops in, but otherwise I'm not, you know, I'm trying I'm not really typing instant messages all day like I'm coding or something. So right. it's not that big of a deal to look over once in a while. Um the problem with that is you know I I've, I've got this you know freaking Maginot line here <laughs> this giant you know great wall of frisco yeah. that's just blocking stuff and that's when we talked about like is this going to make a sound issue on the on the podcast like all this reverberation yeah, coming back from these, my, these walls just angled towards exactly. you. exactly and these aren't I mean they're flat they're not exactly a sound absorbent right um so yeah I don't know if I, I don't I don't know what how do you like to work when you have this kind of setup. That's
1: kind of hard to say because at home what I have or what I had because I'm trying to get change that is I had the ultra wide and the ultra wide had enough real estate for everything. It was kind of my compromise. I'm giving up retina for real estate. And so I had everything on that screen and I just I just closed my laptop. But I really like retina. I really like it for the stuff that I'm primarily working on. So that's what I'm using. So I'll, I'll, I started opening it and raising the other monitor up higher. And so even though it was an ultra wide, I had like email, Slack, and then like some other messaging thing up on those screens. Yeah. And so even though they were higher, because I remember I mentioned this to you and you're like, well, that's not that's not ergonomically ideal. But I was like, "But well, yeah, but that's kind of where I put the the stuff I'm not really looking at
0: all the time. The stuff I'm really looking at is is right directly in front of me at yeah. the right height. So what I meant by that is just so people know is you're supposed to, according to you know ergonomic experts, and I didn't agree with this. Everyone's different, but. Your The display that's sitting in front of you should be your eyes, if you drew a line straight up from your eyes horizontal to the ground, should hit close to the top of the monitor. It's certainly in the top third of the monitor. So most of the monitor should be a little bit below eye level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You because know, if, if you if you're if it's higher than that, and it's, a lot of people do that, I notice this. Um, the, the The biggest mistake I see all the time is people with their televisions at home and like in their family room or in their media room. Oh, they put it over the fireplace. Yeah, and it's, it's just like too high. And, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like halfway through a movie. I'm like, wow, my back is broken and my neck hurts. What's going on? Oh, yeah, their TV's like way too high. I know, but I, I... have you noticed the TV placement at my house? Yeah, but you've got a dedicated spot for it. I made that, and I and oh. I those those bookshelves or the the shelving at the bottom. Uh-huh. I had that custom built for that TV, so that when the TV sat on those, it's at the perfect height. It puts the TV at the perfect height when you're sitting. Next time you're sitting on the couch in my house and you're looking at the TV, mm-hmm. notice your eyes are going to hit about at the top third down from the top of the TV, or mm-hmm. you know basically right in the middle. And that's just yeah, that's and the a, a similar mistake people make is also having their like their main center channel speaker like really high or low after the side it, I mean ideally the sound would be coming from behind right you know right in the middle of the screen that's why yeah. a lot of movie theaters they have the screen is uh, sound passes through it so you've got your main center channels behind the screen oh that's why, uh, the way well, like the IMAX screens tangent yeah tangent well oh. we're like we're not already on a tangent <laughs> this whole thing has been a tangent so far <laughs> wait 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 John wait Salesforce okay go ahead okay
1: so it's, I saw that, uh, well, CES is going on this week. So we're going to get a flood of just tech news and everything and gadgets and all that kind of stuff. But one of them I saw was from LG and they actually, I don't want to use, uh, ding me
0: for using the word actually. Okay. What they did is they oh, used. another one. There's another one. Um, that, uh, yeah, I think you and I both do, but you, I'll, I'll, I'm not, I can't remember what it is, but I'm going to remember it. I'll let you know when I think of it. So? No, it's not <laughs> so. Uh, I think you would even notice that if you're doing it. Anyway, go ahead. Anyways,
1: what, what they did is they turned the, the front panel of the screen into a speaker. Um, so you've seen how, the, how we've had surfaces get turned into speakers with some kind of vibration technology or whatever. Yep. They actually have or built, and I'm not sure if this is going to be production ready, or if this is just a prototype they put out, but they, they created a screen. It's a very thin, high resolution screen and the speakers, the audio is actually coming from the screen. So you're getting audio directly from the screen.
0: That's interesting. Although I can't imagine that's it's got to be a compromise in sound quality, you know. Well,
1: it depends on what it's trying to carry. If it's if if used in conjunction with a sound bar or with you know, of course, some kind of bass, yeah, speaker, right? It Could be pretty good because then it you're might, getting yeah. you're getting you know, I guess we'd say high end frequency sounds directly from the screen. So you're getting that, and then maybe you have some. I don't
0: know some surround
1: sound or even just a sound bar, which tends to be pretty good at that.
0: As I said, because usually combo products of any kind, like you know shampoo plus conditioner, it's a horrible shampoo and it's a horrible conditioner. Don't use those. Like usually combining things, it's, it's a massive compromise. True. The El Camino, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Isn't there some El Camino thing?
0: You know what an El Camino is, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's the car slash truck from like the seventies or eighties. Remember those?
1: Oh, yeah, it's El Camino. The the front is a car, the
0: back is a <laughs> it's truck. A truck. It's, it's horrible. The it's horrible front is product. where you do one thing, the back is where you do something. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of like the, a, a mullet, right? Party in the front or a yeah. business in the front. No, there's party some in the back. kind of saying that gets vulgar when it comes out. Oh. <laughs> no, let's not go there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out how to use these two monitors. I think, I don't know, this is pretty good. But, you know, the issue I was having is, with this monitor to the side is I. I because of the stand I have it on, like I can't get my track part track Wow, that's a new track one. Part. Trackpad far enough away for like in onto my desk and then my hand also because it's it's basically under if I to get my screen close enough, like my hand's totally under this, and so I I keep hitting, you know, this my laptop, the front oh, yeah. of the laptop, and uh, I don't know. So I you might clear. be better off just dedicating yourself to one. I might. Yeah. We'll see. Major first world problems here. Yeah, exactly. That, that's a, a little bit of a pet peeve of mine I, people before they say anything oh first world problem well you live in the first world that's the only kind of problem you can have you know you're not eating dirt okay yes <laughs> you need to solve your first world problems that's that's what God or whoever would want you to do <laughs> it's all relative yep alright well let's I have something to get into that was uh, we kind of I I referenced a minute ago which was you taught me something and this is, uh, you know, it's a kind of a rant. It's, this is a Visual Force bug. And it also ties back into what we talked about last week with Salesforce and their bug tracking or lack thereof. And just a lot of things don't get published and whatever. But I found a couple of blog posts about this that have been around since like 2009 or 2008. So I know this is basically, been, and I believe this has been around since Visual Force was ever created. And it's never been fixed. So it's, it's when you use the Visual Force component, the param component that lets you, mm-hmm. you can use it in conjunction with, you know, buttons, links... Input text. Um, all kinds of stuff, right? You can have it send a parameter when it do, when it posts back to the Visual Force controller. Sorry,
1: output text.
0: And there's just so many situations where... Well, that that's basically... That thing is highly broken. And, and there's all kinds of different scenarios in which it's broken. One of, one of the more infamous ones is with the command button. And so... For, and, and there's also situations where, like, if you... It, it, there's a bug that it doesn't get sent to the server but if you give it, if you populate the name attribute even though that's not used, it, it will then get sent, right? So that's one thing. But the problem I was having was, you know, so I'm using this assign to, right, attribute mm-hmm. of, of param which assigns a value to a controller property. Is that right? Am I saying the right words here? Yeah. But the problem is the setter is not being called. Uh, that, that property setter is not being called. The property's not getting set. Right. So the workaround and I I didn't I don't have the links, but I believe let's see who it was. So I think Jeff Douglas was one of the blogs. I'll try to find these, put them in the show notes, but but then he referenced um an earlier blog post from West Nolte, which is from like two thousand eight. But one of the, but Jeff's workaround, which kind of worked for me, I thought, was to add a re render attribute and just I think you can re-render if, as long as you re-render something, I don't even think it matters what it is. He used a page block in his example, like a hidden page block mm-hmm. used for nothing, but I think you can use it anything. Uh that works. Unless, uh, what was my what was my situation? You um, needed to redirect. I, yes. So my action method that was being called, in th- as a part of this command button, was returning a non-null page reference. Mm-hmm. So I was redirecting to, it. and that, which normally is a is a totally fine thing. You can have an action method that returns null, in which case it just stays on the screen. You can re-render stuff. That's all cool. That action method could also, even even if it's being used in a re-render context, if you if that action method returns a page reference. That re-render won't happen. You'll get a new, a different Visual Force page, which is great. That's why it's supposed to work. But that's another scenario where this parameter will not work. It actually breaks the page reference return. It, nothing gets re-rendered and it doesn't send you to your new, to your new page. So uh you gave me, I wanted to give you credit for this. This is the second or the first thing you taught me this week. <laughs> and it's not, it's not like I didn't know this, or I don't think I'd done this. I just hadn't thought about it doing it this way. So, and the context here is I'm looping through. I'm using like an Apex repeat, right, a repeater. Mm-hmm. And I'm looping through some list. And for each of those, for each iteration of the list, I've got a command button. And when, it, when you click that command button, it needs to pass in an ID of the thing you're looping through. Right. Of, right of, I don't even remember what these were. Let's say they were accounts. The ID of the account. So I know which, which account you want to, you know, you, the command button should do something with. And you said, well, why don't you instead of looping through accounts directly, loop through like an account wrapper and have a method on that uh, that returns a page reference. Right. So that becomes an action method. And I always, you know, I kind of just think of, okay, action methods go directly on controllers, right? Controllers, action methods. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to stop. Some other thing from a, that you can, some other action method that's on some other controller property or a controller property that's a list, that the list of things and those things can return action methods. So right. basically, mm-hmm. Uh, as it's looping through, it uh, the action method is is on this wrapper class now, and when you call it, it returns. It's almost like a closure because it's like a JavaScript closure or any kind of closure, um, it it knows the instance of the thing it's associated with, right? And so it returns. What does it do? It oh no, it just yeah. It you can have it do something, and it knows that account ID in this case. Because it was it's instantiated with an with an account ID with a, to a specific account, right? And yeah, that, that was that was a workaround that worked. So thank you for that. Because I don't know what I would I don't I mean I was out of options. Like I went from one bug and my my workaround for that bounced me up into another bug. And again, these are bugs that have been around since day one. And this is just like and then, oh, yeah. I don't know. This is just and, and I don't know. I don't know what to chalk that up to. But enterprise <clears throat> enterprise software and there are bugs that are likely not to get fixed because it's never going to get fixed because now it's, we're transitioning to lightning. They've and, been working on Visualforce for 10 years. It's not going to get fixed. And this is not in the back to the the public the known issues. It's not in the known issues. How is this not in the known issues? I think I've logged well a lot of I've times I probably logged this as a case with Salesforce at least 3 times in the I, past 10 years. I think years. a lot
1: of times when people find a workaround that works, the 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 um the amount of requests go down. So someone someone like you came across the issue and Googled and said, well, here's what I'm trying to do. And someone said, oh, we'll just do this instead. And that's what they did. So they never reported a bug. So, so the feedback mechanism gets broken. And that's kind of what's kind of hard about some, when you figure a workaround for something is you kind of don't report it because you've, you've already solved your problem. You've moved on. So you're not banging on okay. Salesforce store and saying, hey, this is, this is an issue. I need this.
0: I'm digging you for kinda. That's what it is. Oh, kinda. kinda. Yeah. What was the other one? Actually, Uh, actually, yeah, I'm bad at actually. What about Kit? (laughs) I'm bad about actually, and I'm bad. I'm bad about you know, you know. Why do I have to say that? It's horrible. So you just completely glossed over my point. No, I'm sorry. I had to before I forgot because my brain doesn't work very well. So sorry to interrupt. But that's a community issue, isn't it? That's a community bug,
1: in that we 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 have an issue with the system, and it's it's a real issue that needs to get resolved. But because we found a workaround and we're kind of busy with our days and
0: need to move on. We don't report it. Kind of busy. We're kind of busy. Kind of busy. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> um, no, I think it does get reported. It gets reported. It's gotten blogged about. It's just Salesforce is not. You can't put something on Salesforce's known issues. Only they can do that. You can submit stuff.
1: Well, I know that. I don't know. I mean, but I mean, there are plenty of things that I, well, I've, I've there are things I've found I've reported, but I, I don't stay up with them because I'm like, I've got my work around. I, on. I know yeah, not I to know, use I that know. anymore because
0: it's broken. Sometimes I'll check in on it and be like, oh, it's still broken. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Right. And I, you know, I might be doing work for one client this month and I might log a case in their org, but the next month I'm working on it for a different client and I'm, I've moved out. I don't even have access to that case anymore. And so it's just, yeah, I don't know. There's like a weird lack of accountability there. Well, I have a, I have a segue on this topic. Okay. Uh, hold on. I got to load it up. A, a, segu, a segue, A segue? The, the writing a, thing? A segue, A segue. <laughs> can ride.
1: It means uh, to follow. So this this article actually came from Jeff Flynn. Jeff or Joff? Jeff.
0: Jeff. Jeff or Joff. And that's just the <laughs> original, probably the original pronoun. the correct it's probably the correct pronunciation of Jeff.
1: I would say Jeff, but because it's spelled not like J E F
0: F that. That's you know Jeffrey the giraffe.
1: That's how he spells it. Yeah, know. I know. Okay. I just like having fun with words. I, I want to make sure I'm using it correctly. Yeah. I know Jeff. <laughs> we we've we've had beers. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, he he came across this article on Forbes and you know what kind of articles you get on Forbes. Oh yeah.
0: Do, should we, uh, I, I feel like my computer's being slow, but I will let's see how fast I can get this to come up here. Uh, any monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. I, I'm a little bit faster with the external monitor, the separate monitor, because I've got it dedicated <laughs> to that, but it's still it's still I mean using Finder does not we, still search, need, we and, need
1: to get you like a third screen that's that's got the, all the buttons so you just no, kinda press a button. Really
0: what I need is you to write me a damn good soundboard app for the Mac. Okay, I'll do that. I'll get, I'll get started on that. <laughs> that'd, be a good, that'd be a good side project. I, I need to sit down with you and talk, discuss requirements, though. I have very specific requirements. <laughs> I need to ask Adam Curry what he uses because he is just a master of... I oh, I just, they're immediate. And he's got, he has to have over a thousand different sound clips they've accumulated. I don't know what he uses. Just, I've, I've heard him say he uses um, the software called Black Cat before, but I showed that to you, didn't I? It's got to be some of the ugliest software that's ever been written. It looks like it was written for Windows ninety five. I'm sure a lot of these were. It's, it's I, don't, I don't know that there's a huge market for soundboards these days. Well, who was the company that made the one that we we had? Uh, was it Rogue Amoeba or Ambrosia? Ambrosia, and they're just out of business. And it, I don't think it still works. I mean, I used it for a long time because, but they stopped updating it after like after like Leopard or something. Mm. So it's it worked longer. and I'm surprised how long it did work, but it just got to where it's too buggy, so I'm not gonna move on. Anyway, okay. Segue. That was a hell of a segue. That was a hell of a tangent. I know that was my fault. Sorry. <laughs>
1: um. So so this article, we we he he posted it and and I read it and I was like, I don't get what this article is about. I don't get what it's here. So the article is well, they have no clavar- they have no
0: they have no editors. They get paid just by the word to throw. So they're just throwing crap out every day.
1: Yeah, and so the best of our knowledge, this article only existed for one purpose, and that was to advertise uh, Mike Rosenbaum, who, bomb, um, his sales for his, uh, I think he runs that, it's that marketing podcast, isn't it? Anyway, like, he's yeah. got customer collaboration with sales, with Salesforce's Mike Rosenbaum, this podcast episode. Modern so customer. The Modern Customer Podcast. So this article right. was just put out here just to advertise that that right, podcast right. episode. Yeah, probably bought a
0: mistake or something. Yeah, Maybe. Um, so so anyways, it, <laughs> I mean half the stuff is native advertising, so
1: <laughs> it is. I mean, but it was just one of those articles that was just kind of there. It really didn't add anything to the conversation. It wasn't telling you anything you didn't know it was it kind of centered around you know customer collaboration and and the idea exchange and how that's really enabled customers to kind of give feedback and to and get into the loop on product development, all this kind of stuff. I
0: mean, in some ways it really has it's it's it has. It's pretty amazing, John.
1: Hold on, hold on, but but let me let me tell you something I came across today. This is a this is something on the idea exchange. It has five thousand eight hundred and ten points. It's been around for six years. Uh, it's it's under product team review, and all it is is allow lookup to custom or standard object on a user object. Yeah. You know that's one that keeps. I, I, I actually I needed to do this today. I needed to do a lookup for on a custom on a user object, and I keep forgetting that I can't do that. Yeah, there are things like I I do, and I'm like, oh, I, I'll just go and do this, or I'll tell the customer, yeah, I I'll write this trigger that'll go and sync that, and it'll be an ID, it'll be a lookup, and we and, you know we'll just do that. And then I get my and then I get egg in my face because I go to try to do it and you can't do
0: it. Right, and they're kind of little gotchas that you if you haven't tried it before or you've forgotten because it's been a couple of years since you tried. You know, there's a thousand, I mean, and it's not, I, I don't really, I'm not really dog in Salesforce because they have a huge system and there's always going to be various limitations here or there that you kind of just have to learn through the the hard way. You know, that's how you get your battle scars is by <laughs> telling a client, oh yeah, we can do that. And, you know, <laughs> get two weeks into an effort and realize the whole assumptions that you premised the solution on, uh, it's not going to work and you've yeah. got to find some other way or, um, it would be cool actually, because yeah, here's the thing. We know if you if you've done much Apex, you know that there is something special about user objects, profile objects, permissions, uh, anything, any of these things that are considered. What do they call them? Setup or security setup objects? Yeah. Right. That's so that's one cool. one of the rules is you can't modify setup objects in the same transaction that you modify what they call non setup objects, which is like anything else, accounts, right. custom objects, whatever. So there's something special about. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that are special about users that make it difficult to bring them into the just the good old vanilla data modeling land of Salesforce. You know, custom or lookup fields and master detail fields and things like that. Um, not, I'm not. You know, I'm, it sounds like I'm kind of making excuses for Salesforce. I'm sure it's hard. I'm sure they would like to do that. There's probably a reason they haven't. What I think would be interesting is if, like, I don't know, I, we should build we should build these questions and then to get someone from Salesforce who knows these things, like some PM or some you know, super <laughs> wizard, to come on and answer these, like. <laughs> I'm sure it's hard, right, to create a lookup from a user object or something else. What I want to know is why. Like, it's the geek, it's the inquiring geeks want to know. Like, why. what is it about the back end, you know, under the covers that makes that so hard to do?
1: Well, I'm sure a lot of people would would want to know why and they they would probably understand if there was some kind of conversation that said, you know, we've been looking at this, it's, it's, it's kind of really difficult because it, it impacts security a certain way or something and, along and re- those lines. But this has been around for six years. But that doesn't and, mean
0: that it's just because it's been around for a long time. Doesn't mean it's any easier to solve now or that it should be solved. But or the Salesforce even wants to solve it.
1: Okay, Salesforce wants to be a customer company. <laughs> do, do, why, don't, why don't why isn't there some kind of feedback mechanism that says oh, this? The product team says that this is kind of really difficult. It's not really on our roadmap. There's there's I mean maybe there is in the comments somewhere, but I'm not going to scroll through uh, six years of comments. The earliest one, by the way, is two days ago. Someone again asked yeah. for
0: this. Well, I don't know. like I said. I'm not. I'm. I'm obviously not a Salesforce apologist. Um, and, and there's. I think there's much bigger sins against the uh, the ethics of a customer company than this. The thing is, is you know Salesforce they accept submissions for ideas from anyone and everyone. And you know that if they implemented every request they got, they would have the. They wouldn't even have a system anymore. Yeah, no, It'd I be agree. a disaster. So, I
1: mean, they they do, don't do, they didn't do kind of moderate, you know, the requests and, and all those kind of things. But at least they let people
0: put it out there and, and yeah, vote and comment on it.
1: I guess, I guess.
0: But I mean, who knows? I mean, think about it. Th- there's if, so if many things. Gonna, on, if they're going to allow a lookup on user, that means that it's again, like you said, it's got all kinds of security imp- implications. It's got to be that means it's going to be able to be used in reports, and there may be all kinds of performance problems with joining against users. I mean, there's probably all kinds of nerdy reasons, and I, again. I, I would just out of morbid curiosity would like to know, like, why have you guys not done that? I'm sure there's a good reason, right? That's just hard, and maybe just the the price, the the cost benefit is not good enough to to implement that.
1: But do you think there's any value in in terms of the idea exchange to provide some kind of mechanism where they can flag it or put some kind of header on on the
0: article that says they can they can put feedback on there. They do a lot of the PM often will do that. And honestly, I, I mean, I think one, Sometimes I think I, one criticism you could, you could make is if that thing's been around that long and there's that many people that want it, they should give an answer. Okay. That, that's my point. There should be an answer, but, but answering in the comment feed where it's going to get lost? No, no, no. They, there's a way they, they can
1: answer that, it in that's the, at the top. I, I could have swore I saw some kind of way yeah. where they can you know, put a message
0: from the right. product team. They chain. can. They just, in this case, obviously, I guess they haven't. So, anyway. So. Still mad. I have another it's actually a little bit of a follow up. Do you remember our little aside about shiv versus shim and how you always get those two words confused? Well, I don't get them confused. I just always use shiv for some reason. Well, that's kind of okay, whatever.
1: I mean, I know what they mean.
0: It's I just think I my mi- default is shiv. I just say it. I think I might know why that you, you're br- something something has gotten your brain off track with shiv versus shim, and I think I may know what did it. I don't think I don't know how much of this thing is still used but there was something called HTML5 shiv, and I don't know if he named it that as a joke or what, but it's, um, I don't think people use it anymore, but it allowed, I think what it did was it allowed you to style the new HTML5 uh, elements mm. that IE didn't support yet. Oh. Something you know, like that. I do remember that. That might have been But it wasn't called HTML5 track. shim, it was called HTML5 shiv, <laughs> which is just enough to... to Make a little tie that then forever screws your brain up because it's really a shim. I mean that's what it is. <laughs> but for some reason he called it a shiv, and they're, they're now your brain is you know forever going to be confused on those two words. They're going to be aliased, and there's always going to be those question marks. Oh shit, which one is it?
1: That's that's entirely possible. You you might have you might have you know yeah. hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, because I do remember that.
0: Um. So I have an apple thing. Uh, they released some numbers on their app store which I want to talk about and then kind of talk about Exchange and what that might mean but I also have a thing on LinkedIn and Microsoft which kind of is salesforce what should we end on or what should I do first? I guess we'll end on the Microsoft
1: thing I think I have okay. a few things on that as well Alright, well let's do that let's, you us do the app store? Yeah, let's do the okay. app store
0: because these numbers are just always mind-blowing so I always like to look at them uh, always it's amusing when they come out but Apple's App stores, they just announced their I guess this was for 2016, their their revenues were twenty eight point five billion. Just an app store.
1: Oh, they're going downhill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Doom and gloom. Yeah, it's death or uh what's they called? Death watch, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and Apple collected yeah, their cut, which is thirty percent, is eight point five billion. So eight point five billion in profit from that app store.
1: Well, Their retail stores also that's, had and the funny thing had a record number this season did they I didn't see well, those like, numbers like New Year's they had like a record number in terms of sales yeah. on New Year's.
0: but the funny thing is that 8.5 billion in profit from App Store is a drop in the bucket yeah they are well, I don't say that's a drop in the bucket. Their revenue or sorry, their profit last year was what 47, 47 billion or something like that, so I don't know it's a that's like 20 percent, right? That's actually a pretty good piece, anyway. Uh, so yeah, the their app store grew. Guess what, what? Guess what percentage growth it had in 2016 over 2015? I don't know, ten percent, forty percent. Wow! I know that's just the- that's
1: hard to believe. With with every freaking tech blog out there screaming loudly the doom and gloom oh, yeah. of Apple. They've, they've, uh, they've, Microsoft turned, is they've, eating their lunch. They've, and They
0: have turned their back on their, on their customers. <laughs> no
1: one's buying an iPhone 7 except everyone's buying an iPhone 7. No one's buying Apple products except everyone's buying Apple products. Yeah. No one's buying the new MacBook Pro with the touch bar. Or that stupid thing. people are buying, buying yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's because of pent up demand. That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> have you played the new Super Mario Run for iOS? And I uninstalled it. Really? Yeah. Why?
1: <laughs> it was frustrating. Really? It wasn't fun enough for me to keep playing it. I got through the levels and got to Princess Peach. <laughs> <laughs> Is that her name? Yeah. That's
0: right, Peach. Yeah. Peach.
1: And um, but I started playing the the so they have a mode where you you play other players, but not really the other players. You play the shadow of the other players. Oh, so whatever their that. level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was frustrating as hell because I don't know how it's scored. I think you're supposed to collect coins and beat them by coins. But I I thought it was a race, so I feel I was beating them. Oh, time wise, time th- right. wise, or at least lengthwise. It's not really timed, but I I beat them in ter- in terms of travel time, the distance, and the amount that I've traveled. And I'm like way ahead of them on the on the chart. But I still lose. Like they do this thing where they like rate they like raise the flag and the the crowd cheers. So you're mad because you didn't understand the rules, so you
0: uninstalled it. It was it was just too frustrating. I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. So how, how, how do you think? What do you think of the quality of the game? Was it well done? Well done? Yeah. I thought it
1: was well done okay. for for a for a continuous run single input yep. game. It was pretty well done. I mean, it had I had all the nostalgia that that I wanted out of it. it was what, do you real, think of
0: that? what do you think of the simplified model of it's just it all it runs for you?
1: Well, I, I mean, I I guess for what it was, it was great, and, and it had the right nostalgia and things like that. My kids love it; they still play it. Yeah. But for me, once the nostalgia was over and I got over the fact that it's Mario and yep. I'm seeing all the things that I that I used to love, I was done with it. Yep. I was like,
0: "Yeah, this is not enough for me to keep playing, so right. I'm going to uninstall it." Well, popping the stack, Super Mario Run generated more than 40 million downloads in the first 4 days. I believe not it. Not 40 I mean, million there, dollars, there was even million like million a downloads. There was
1: a there was some kind of like notification thing you could do so you could say, you know, notify me when this is available.
0: Yeah. Uh subscription billings for things like Netflix and Tinder I didn't know you could even pay for Tinder I've never used Tinder I've been married since it's been out So such a liar I know <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously I, did, I thought that was just like Snapchat I thought it was free or something you can't pay for Snapchat can you I don't pay anything for it I, I don't think I do uh, yeah so subscription billings increased 74% to 2.7 billion do you have any subscription apps I do uh, Plex Plex Pass. I think is a subscription app I pay through App Store I don't know that I do I used to do the magazine, but then I realized I wasn't reading I it. I did
1: do magazine. I did, like, yeah, I think those were the only things I had, and then I got rid of them. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. The App Store represents a fraction of Apple's overall sales, which were $215 billion for its September 24th ending fiscal year. Um, yeah, crazy. They had roughly... Uh, there are, Okay, no, there are 2.2 million apps for iOS. 2.2 million different apps. And in the history of the App Store, I think this is a relatively recent number, there have been over 200 billion downloads. App downloads, 200 billion. Apple has paid, since the App Store's inception, more than $60 billion to add developers. It's a lot? Yeah. So it's, uh, well, that's what they paid. Because they keep what? 30%? 30% or, percent, yeah, they keep 30%. Like percent. Yep. So I thought, well, obviously the you know Salesforce App Exchange not the same thing. You can't you know not apples and oranges. But I think proportion wise, like is has App Exchange been as successful for Salesforce as the App Store was for Apple? I think so. Well, it's hard. It's it's hard to tell because Salesforce really doesn't. Well, first of all, one thing is true, which is the App Exchange makes. A, a small enough amount of money that they don't have to, they're not for, they don't have to break it out. Right. Anytime a business mm. is a certain percentage of your business, you have to break it out in SEC rules. Right. And this is small enough that they just don't have to. So that's one thing we know. It's, it may be okay, but it's not, you know, it's not uh, setting the place on fire with sales.
1: Well, I, I think in terms of of, of creating native, a, a ton of native, you know, really popular apps, I don't think it has been. But as a way to provide a mechanism for third-party apps to kind of integrate easily with Salesforce, I think it has been. I mean, because I think that's what we mostly see. They're, they're paying their fee to say, yes, I integrate with Salesforce. And right. it's You can use it on professional, but it's our system yeah, running yeah. on our servers. It like OAuths
0: to their other right. system or whatever.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of those. Um, I think a lot of the native apps. Just, I mean, there are there are definitely you know successes out there, but I think a lot of them are just kind of you know, you know, the guys that kind of said, "Oh, I can write that," and they write it, and it's 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 great for a single purpose,
0: but not not great for like the larger audience of Salesforce. I'm I'm still, and I'm this is I'm dealing with this this week. And I won't name any names, but t- continue to be surprised at the low quality of some of the big names of the App Exchange. No, I agree. The biggest hitters, I'm, and I've had to deal with some of their code, yeah. uh, and I'm just like, I mean, just the way they design it, the quality of their code is just—it is. Well, horrible. you can't always
1: see the code, but you can see how it interacts with the data model.
0: And no, I'm and, not. I'm and, not talking about financial force.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can see how it interacts with the data model enough to know, unless you're talking about unmanaged packages. But but in terms of these managed packages, you can't see the
0: code there. So they gave their logs. Can't in this case, they gave us some unmanaged code. Okay. Because uh, we needed a customized version of some things. Mm-hmm. So they just gave us the code. And it, wow. I mean, everything from just markup, HTML markup, um, formatting, zero understanding of object-oriented programming, disaster of CSS, um, disaster of JavaScript, multiple versions of jQuery on the same page. Oh. Yeah, it just... It, and this is a big app that... By all accounts, is one of the. I mean, you. Everyone knows the name. If you're in the Salesforce, you know these. You know this company. I didn't want to say what which business they're in because I'm, a, I'm afraid it'll narrow it down too much. <laughs> but no, but
1: I, I agree. I, I don't. I don't know if it's if it's they started out at a certain point in time, and then things just kind of got ugly over time, just because they were continually adding features, and there was really no time to go back and refactor things, or if it just started out that bad because they didn't really understand Salesforce but i i do i do see that quite often with with a lot of these applications that they just they work but but they needed they need to refactor quite a bit because there's either better ways to do something now and i hope that they implemented that feature before this new better way was yeah. available yeah. i hope Or they just they just that inexperienced and haven't been staying up to date to know they need to refactor that. Well,
0: regardless of that new you know Salesforce creating new ways to do things. There's no excuse for the stuff I've been working with. Zero excuse. I mean, honestly, that that whole whoever created that that team should be fired, and they should be retrained in another another line of work. Should they? (laughs) (laughs) The app is installed and someone's paying for it. I know.
1: As much as we care about the quality of the code, someone bought that code and is using it.
0: And and I mean, there's other, like I've got a client that used a really popular app from one of the, one of these ISVs that always gets featured at Dreamforce. You know, everyone knows who they are. Very popular app. And this app was just, the only reason people use it, the only reason is because that you can get it from the App Exchange. You can, you know, install it one click or whatever it is. And it's, and it's, Tight, it's obviously tightly integrated with your salesforce instance other than that if it was if take those benefits away it is the worst user experience worst implemented application of this type that you could that you could find
1: so so let's let's reframe this conversation then in terms of going back to is the app exchange successful if it's not successful enough to warrant that there's enough money being funded into these applications that they can refactor, that they can hire better developers, that they can do this retooling of, the, of their system, is that a reflection of that?
0: I, I, no, I think we're talking about just separate things here. Really, I, I think, I think one point that we're kind of making here, at least exposing, is that you can have a pretty crappy app and actually make a pretty good amount of money on the app exchange. So from that perspective, it's kind of successful. Or at least I think some of these. Well, ISVs for the longest are, are time on on the
1: on the Apple Store, that was true as well. You can make a crappy app. You could clone. You can make a crappy clone, and, and
0: make quite a bit of money. Well, and Apple's paying out twenty something, or no, they they paid out about twenty last year. They paid out twenty billion to from the App Store to the developers. Now, how is that distributed? You know, there's a lot of apps that make no money, right? Same thing for the App Exchange. I mean, there's going to be a ton of apps. I mean, probably the bottom fifty percent make zero money whatsoever. I mean, I think half or more than half of the apps on App Exchange are free.
1: Well, they are, but they have in-app purchases, especially when it comes On to the gaming. app exchange. No, I'm talking about oh, the app oh, exchange. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. talking
0: about the app store. Oh, well, they're, they're the different. app store is
1: a different beast in that there's these this concept of gaming with in-app purchases, which is just ruining the game industry in general, in my terms. Well, buy the paid version then.
0: That's not they're not it's designed not that way. I
1: know. They they yeah. it's free, you, and then you
0: have to buy certain things well, to to get. It's continue. not, not that way because they people don't want to pay. You know, they have a thousand dollar phone, but they don't want to pay three dollars for a game. No, no, they
1: they make more money off the in-app purchases. They make more money off of well, that could be. selling you a hundred virtual tokens well, for for a dollar, and you you do it often enough, and before you know it, you spent thirty dollars with them yeah. for a game that you thought was free.
0: Right. I think I just think I do think there's that uh, psychology of particularly iOS of just you shouldn't have to pay, and if you should have to pay, it's like anything over ninety nine cents. It's considered, whoa, that's too much. I mean, a hamburger from Waterburger costs. Six dollars nowadays, but you people <laughs> won't. You know, if it's over ninety nine cents, that's just oh, that's that's too much. No, and, and, I know, I know. It's the I, psychology, I, it's the race to the bottom. I mean, this has been documented and talked about yeah. ad nauseum over the past few years. How this, it's really gotten to the bottom of the barrel situation. Of course, there's standout apps that that break all these rules that do yeah. really well. Yeah, but, and I think the same thing for App Exchange. It's just you know, it's the way. It's I don't know what kind of distribution that would be. I should look that up. Um, but you clearly have a, a few that do really really well like what what are the ones in the app exchange that probably do really well really well um financial force roll up helper uh conga
1: i think dupe Catcher was free, free oh, advertising that, we're doing there was a dupe catcher before it became
0: native right or something like that
1: i don't know or something there's something
0: like a, that i think I like there's a million dupe things yeah um any of those uh, the sign uh, the e-signing stuff oh yeah um, yeah those are big so there's a lot of them that I think they probably uh, do really well. And it makes a lot document, of sense.
1: The document merge creation. Is that Conga? Conga. Conga's one of them.
0: The, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, there's. I mean, I think there's a lot of probably success stories. We don't know what any of the numbers are. Well, There are some numbers, and I had to go back to n- not the most recent articles. That some of these were, uh, I think, from 2015 numbers, but... At you some point, Salesforce... should have
1: gone was, on YouTube and looked up some Dreamforce sessions because they always I know. the numbers Well, I remember there.
0: when they, Salesforce hit 2 million installs. That was a big thing to them. Um, and the most recent thing I found was 3.5 million app installs. I mean, that could be up to 5 million now because I think is from about 6 months ago. You know, so that's, you know, in the Salesforce space, okay, so they're talking about, you know, 4 or 5 million installs total. And just Apple has had on iOS has had 200 billion installs. How many apps do we know? On AppExchange? Yeah. Um, I remember they made it a big deal when they hit 2000. It's around, I think I'm guessing it's around 2,500 apps, something like that. Hmm. In fact, let me, I have a, an article pulled up here. I don't know if it, I think it's somewhere in here. I don't know if I'll find it. Oh, there are, now this is from, well, this is from almost a year ago. Uh, they had 2,500 apps listed publicly on the AppExchange. Hmm uh only 1600 were pay so about half hmm. half were pay but this guy is doing some math here he's he's doing and he thinks that um uh, based on his math if you figure out which ones aren't free it's about a million dollars per app uh, revenue if you, if you assume that all those paid apps get or have the same revenue per year on the app exchange mm-hmm. it's about a million dollars per app now what i think is you have a whole lot of apps that don't make hardly anything, and then you've got a few apps that make
1: well a million dollars per it's, app isn't that much. That, you, that
0: would be the that would be the median, I think, not the mean, right? <laughs> the mean I think is is probably no, or maybe that's the other way around. That's the mean, yeah. That's probably the mean, right? Which is going to be a much higher number than the median. Most apps probably make like I don't know like twenty grand a year or something like that. Well I mean
1: going by that number I mean a million a year isn't that much if you're factoring in you know no, it's not. high quality developers
0: marketing costs sales costs And again however that's, <laughs> and that's, again that's the mean which means that most apps actually are making less than that Well if you consider I, like
1: but you also have to consider the ones that are free are not always free they're free to install but there's some kind of subscription service like you you've got You've got some kind of marketing system. The app to integrate is free, but you're still paying for
0: your your marketing. And I license. don't know what quite what the rules are in that. I don't think they like that. I think they want you to run the subscription naturally. They want you to run the subscription revenues through through the system. I think I most don't know. I think most do. Like it, you know, that subscription revenue runs through the app exchange accounting system, so Salesforce gets their cut. I, I don't think that's true in all cases. I don't think a well
1: established you know
0: third party system is is. Salesforce, it'll say, "Oh, you got to run all your revenue through us." That's true, and I don't know how that works. And it's, I think Apple has a similar sticking points. Like, there's been people who wanted to that are traditionally not. It's not an app, but they want to be able to. I'm trying to think of an example, like um, the comic book sellers, right? You know, they mm-hmm. are. I don't know. I can't think of one of these, but it's like, why would we sell our stuff through the App Store? We, when we we've been selling it on our website for 20 years. We don't. You know, if we sold it through an app, now we have to pay you 30 percent or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm, I don't. I'm not sure, but. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, somewhere around two thousand apps. In two thousand fifteen, there was one and a half billion of license revenue generated via the app exchange. License revenue for the app exchange, or license revenue for Salesforce? For the for app exchange. So Salesforce's cut of that, which I think is twenty five percent now. that it's, it's gone up. I know that they've again when we were talking about is <laughs> the, the 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 deal always changes. And Salesforce is always going to change in their favor. Their cut just keeps going up. I think it's I think it's 25% now. Um so 1.5 times 25. So 30 300, 375 million. Of course they also upped the what does it cost to get on epic change? The the certification fee or whatever in that 2500 dollars for a paid app? I thought it was five grand. Maybe it is. I know it used to be. Like a couple hundred, and then it went up to maybe twenty five hundred. Then up to five grand. I don't know what. Yeah, it is now. I, I want to say last time I was some involved, it was like it's five grand, some kind of four
1: digit number. Who knows what it is now? Because that was a few yeah. years ago.
0: So anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think app is I think it's a great selling tool because salesperson can say, "Hey, look, all these great apps," even though I don't know, a lot of them are some of the are not good specimen compared to their. Uh, you know, broader market competitors. Whether it's I won't pick, any, pick on anything here, but whether it's document generation, credit card processing, project management software, uh, none of the things that are on the Epic Exchange to me are particularly impressive compared to things that compete on the open on the you know general market.
1: No, but it's it's good for them because they get. I mean, what they really care about is selling the license, the yeah. Salesforce license, right? Oh yeah, and anything that kind of keeps people coming back or staying with Salesforce is, yep. is going I mean, the same with Apple. I mean, they're, they're selling their phones and everything, but the app store is a big, you know, having a great app store keeps people on their phones. It keeps people coming back to it. Right. I, I know plenty of people. And, and this is just anecdotal who their friends, family who have switched to like Samsung and gone to Android and they didn't like the, the OS, it was kind of quirky. And then what they really didn't like was the apps, you know, the way they worked or, or how they, you know, even, even though a lot of them can do a lot more on the phones than you can do on app on Apple. They didn't like the quality, they didn't like, you know, the amount of bad apps ratio to good apps. So yep. it was hard for them to find a good quality app and things like that. So they just ended up going back to Apple. So how does that relate? How does that relate? To what? It, it relates in, in the fact that, you know, having a good app store, you know, can help you grow your platform, can help people buying your devices. So oh, in, yeah, in, the, in the case yeah. of Apple, you know, they want you to buy the phones, they want you to buy their hardware. I and think- the app store...
0: You know, yeah. being as successful as it is, people keep buying the phones. The I think the app ecosystem is a huge draw for iOS, much more so than Salesforce's app exchanges for Salesforce.
1: True, but I mean, you can see how that factors in. How it, it doesn't have to be immensely profitable for Salesforce; it just has to be tantalizing enough to keep users or people coming into the system to say, "Yes, we have an option for that." You can go and install this. Of course,
0: we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that probably one of the one of the big limiting things of apps on the app is especially if it's a native app you're, you're building on force.com and we you know we know the limitations of force.com and what they, what it's like to work with that and you've i know you worked with managed packages and trying to get things on the app exchange right and mm-hmm. just that whole process and uh, m- maintaining of uh the, a code base through you know its full lifecycle when you're dealing with managed packages and just again dealing with things like visual force and
1: yeah i mean and it's, Apex it's hard enough and, to refactor and, it and no in...
0: packages and and poor tooling and poor, and slow performance and i mean the, you're dealing with all these so it's gonna Everything is going to take longer when you're developing it on Salesforce, and it's it's so ironic because the story's supposed to be opposite of that. It's supposed to be, oh, you know, you build an app in a day or two hours, or you know, you hear all these things. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe maybe yeah, your zero to ten miles an hour is faster, but the zero to sixty is uh, it, boy, it really <laughs> it, it it's, really falls it's off. It's, it is. It's, it's a long game. It's a long game. It's a long game, right?
1: Because uh, because once once you're you create your app and and it's it's you install it and everything. Well, now the hard part comes in maintaining it, adding features, you know, refactoring something. I mean, how, how do you deploy something that you refactored entirely right. to
0: all your users? Right. That's a pain. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, there's, there's huge benefits. I mean, dep- it depends on what you need. I mean, but there's huge benefits to, to building a force icon. I mean, you're not dealing with installing a database and you know so much security is baked in for you, and you've got page layouts, you've got list views, and there's reporting. It's all built in and free, and so that's you know you can't underestimate that. No. But but again, once you if you're building a non-trivial app, you're gonna hit well, all kinds of things that are, that are <laughs> slowdown factors. So yes, you get that initial acceleration. I mean Salesforce is like a boost right out of the gate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that long game, you're gonna get you're gonna get passed up. But people gonna, people pay for the hard stuff to be easy.
1: They they pay you to do the hard work so that it's easy for them. And it but it comes
0: at a, a cost. It's still it, it's still a cost, right? It's still going to cost them more. But what I'm saying time, is, is money, if you build a non-trivial
1: app and put it on the app exchange, it's probably not going to make you any money. If you build something that's really I hard to achieve and you're able to have some success at it, you can charge some money for it.
0: Yeah. What we don't know is, like for example, financial force—they're one of the big poster children, right? Uh, I think they just take another round of funding. So I don't think they're—they're they're not making money. I mean, they're—they're they're generating revenue, right? But I don't—they don't seem to be profitable. Of course, they wouldn't be taking more. Funding. They just did another round, like a few months. ago. The
1: financial ago. force story is kind of odd to me because I I would have thought by now Salesforce would have bought
0: them up to say hey we've got ERP if nothing else. But for some reason they haven't bit it's down. it really ERP that. though? I mean it's it's financials, right? It's like accounting yeah. and financials, and I I know they've branched into have they? I think they're getting into uh, other areas, other apps. Is it is it human resources? I'm not sure. I know they've yeah, I mean, into they something. got something. They got work and all that kind of stuff. I mean they've got no. I mean fin- financial force has, oh has. Branched out into, I believe it's Human Resources. Oh, I think they've added a, HR. So they're kind of, you know, coming in on that workday territory. Yeah. Notice that Salesforce Workday partnership they announced a couple of years ago. That's uh, that's also also faded away with no mention. <laughs> well, I mean, well, Salesforce is a part owner of uh, Financial Force, so oh, I'm sure I'm sure there's money there. I just, I just,
1: it just seems odd that they haven't kind of folded it in yet. That yeah. they've, they
0: they just kind of, it's just been there. I, don't know. I mean, I think may it may be more valuable to them to have that as an app exchange success story versus something they just buy. And and I think bake it's, in. I
1: think it's one of the apps that violates their uh, naming terms. Like you're not supposed to use cloud. I think force. You use cloud. You're not supposed to use force yeah, in the name. Not anymore. Yeah,
0: but I guess since since they're good buddies, there. Yeah, like yeah, you can yeah, use it. Right, they're grandfathered in. <laughs> All right. Um. So what else? What else did you have?
1: Anything you wanted to talk about? Uh, nothing, nothing critical. I mean, I know we wanted to keep it short. I was going to mention how bots from last year, because I, I meant to talk about this last time, but we talked about you know what was supposed to be the big thing for the year, and last year it was supposed to be bots. Is is AI? Well, not AI, but it was supposed to be bots that were supposed to take over. Microsoft had their bots, Amazon had their
0: bots, and now we have. I told you, no bots, one cares about yeah. bots. I mean, they're they're still there, and I just saw the other day that Salesforce has been involved in um, a round of funding for one of someone one of these you know, little bot startups, but. Uh, It'll, th- it'll, it'll be a thing, just like, I don't know. I mean, how, what do you, you think You think machine learning and AI is going to go the same route in a couple of years? I mean, it'll still yes. be there, but it's going to be, it's not the panacea that everyone was freaking out about.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's kind of touting AI right now. Well, CES is filled with it right now, if you, if you start looking yeah. in presentations. I mean, uh, it's, it's just filled with it. With all these things that people didn't ask for that you're saying, you didn't know you, were, you wanted this, but here it is. And people are like, yeah, I don't really want that. I heard a story about someone, I think it was on the radio, I don't remember where, whose electric toothbrush ran off in the middle of the night and they couldn't shut it off so they had to smash it to pieces.
0: Really? Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, just kidding. I've had to do that to the smoke detectors. I just, even you unplug them, if there's, some oh, yeah. kind of, there's some kind of lithium battery buried somewhere. <laughs> I've, I've <laughs> sledgehammered probably three smoke detectors in the garage in the middle of the night. Really? If okay, so it won't stop beeping. <laughs> That'd be a funny sight oh, to yeah. think.
1: Um, you technology. can walk around my
0: house and find where a smoke detector used to be.
1: Technology and our first world problems, right? No.
0: All right. So the last thing I want to talk about was um, Mr. Cranky Geek himself, John C. Dvorak, uh, wrote an article. Why LinkedIn under Microsoft is doomed. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I you know. got to love the doomed articles. Doom and gloom. This,
1: this is, is the it. end.
0: Let me do. Let's let's try this one. Uh, That's even like an old-school drama sound effect to go with yeah. old-school John C. Dvorak himself. All right, so where were my notes on him? I didn't really have any. So he's saying, <laughs> he's saying that the Microsoft acquisition of LinkedIn is, seems to be a stab in the dark, uh, an effort to get Dynamics 360 CRM off the ground by adding a social network. He says, but really, the only thing it really did was just keep Salesforce from buying LinkedIn. And he talks about how he's a LinkedIn premium user, despite the fact that he's skeptical of the whole. Oh, surprise, surprise! He's skeptical of the whole idea when the product launched, and he he doesn't get anything out of it. He's never gotten a job out of it. He's never gotten a contract out of it. Uh, he's never received a good lead or a contract from a story or a column or anything that he's or you know he's never booked a, a speaking engagement through it. Um, so he says, you know, the soap the. the The improvements that they say they keep making, as far as like the interface and everything else, is you know just have not gotten anything better. And everything's now defaulting to kind of just like search-based interface for things. I I feel like that's the evolution of any system. Ultimately, just it all ends up being a search. You just search. Well, at some point, there's so much data,
1: and the the module hierarchy is just too large to just have a menu. Or just 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 have the UI
0: people just end up punting. Like, yeah, this is actually this is just too hard.
1: Well, what do you do? Do you have like a a million tabs on your screen or a scrolling list of, of navigation? Oh, that's for the UI guys to figure out. Uh, I think search is a good answer.
0: But he says, you know, that Microsoft's not going to do anything with LinkedIn. Just look at what they did with Nokia or Web TV. Uh, that's that's. He says a even des, Even despite Satya Nadella being at the helm. He said, the problem is not it's not the bosses. It's, not so, it's, it's the it's corporate culture there. He's, Microsoft he's, he's, is genetically incapable of doing anything good with a big acquisition. <laughs> well, he's
1: comparing the, the hardware division to the software division. Who's to say that you know, they're a little bit smarter with their software than they are their hardware? I, 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 I think Microsoft is much better at software than they are at hardware. They be. have not been able to prove any kind of strength in hardware.
0: Well, they have recently. I mean, some of the like the Surface book is cool, and this new iMac competitor seems cool. The question yeah, is, yeah, but is they're it, cool, but
1: not for the reasons that you think. It's not, it's, people aren't, people aren't loving the Surface because it's, it's a cool touchscreen thing. They're loving it because it runs their windows in a small form factor that they can have oh, in their I don't lap. Know, I think,
0: I think people really like, I mean, I've heard, I've heard a
1: lot of people who say, I ended up in tablet mode, and how do I get out of this? And it sucks. And get me, get for me the, back to for the iMac
0: thing, the Surface the studio, the Surface studio.
1: That's way too expensive. That's, no one's using that except for like
0: isn't it similarly priced to an iMac of, of com, comparably equipped it is but people aren't
1: running to buy it
0: well that's what I'm saying I think it's for as good as some of this hardware is that I, it has impressed me I don't the problem is I don't think that's going to move the needle for Microsoft like it's, it's, it's yeah. still not enough as a problem and I don't know what enough looks like for Microsoft but I think we'll know it when we see it when they tell us yeah
1: when they tell us this is no this one Gartner one. tells us oh that's right yeah <laughs> I think I in the right quadrant <laughs> yeah
0: um he says, yeah, he said that he thinks it's just a pot shot for Salesforce to, to buy this. I don't know. But he, and he thinks that eventually it's just the whole operation is gonna get shuttered. LinkedIn eventually it's just gonna end up with LinkedIn and a big fiery <laughs> ball that will crash and burn. And there will be no more LinkedIn.
1: It, it's it's plausible. <laughs> I mean, if if, is, if, if LinkedIn's
0: is, business model was working for them, they wouldn't have had to sell, right? Uh, the, the whole reason I want to talk about this article was just to show the kind of stuff that John C. DeVore writes nowadays, which is pretty. And I, he's he, you know, he's like, he's the cranky geek, right? He this is the kind of this is what he made his career on, which is basically complete bullcrap articles, where he just you know he puts out the, the internet some, is filled with that. What are you talking, you're describing the internet, not just just him. Anytime you read a, a John C. DeVore article online, there should be an automatic an autoplay. Sound effect that's just like, get off my line, LinkedIn, I'm just gonna die.
1: Is there irony in, in your response? And that we're kind of the curmudgeons of the Salesforce world? No, we totally are. I don't know. I mean,
0: <laughs> that's, I don't know, maybe so. I, f- I feel like Dvorak, he's a likable guy. He's funny. He's fun. That's, and people, he's, it's like a, I don't want to say it's a train wreck, that's not bad, but it's people, they read it not, but not out of, not to get serious, like, uh, truth and facts from. That's not why anyone reads John C. Dvorak. It's because he's hilarious. (laughs) I met him...
1: What would you prefer? To to be liked for being hilarious or to be liked for being serious?
0: Depends on how much money you're paying me. (laughs) I think he's done fairly well. I met him in like 99 in uh, Boca Raton at a... Oh, he if, had a lot of Mac- doom and gloom to talk about back then. Oh, he didn't always he? did. No, what he so this was the around the two thousand crash. So this was so this may be pre, I would might have been wrong on my year, so, but it was, I believe it was Windows two thousand was just coming out, mm-hmm. and the, there was a guy from Microsoft there to, and one of the high VPs to give a talk, and then it was Devorek after him. And the Microsoft guy, he was running Windows two thousand on his laptop to kind of prove that it's ready and everything, and it crashed. He got blue screened on during his demo. <laughs> But DeVar got and Microsoft was one of the big sponsors of this event. It was some kind of PC, you know, manufacturing thing. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh,
0: And then DeVar gets up there and he says, well, what do you want me to talk about? He had nothing prepared, but he can do that. And he can, he's awesome at it. He didn't have to have anything prepared. He just gets up there and talks. And he said, what do you want me to talk about? I can talk about Windows 2000. (laughs) I could, you know, whatever. But I think he ended up getting up there and for quite a bit of time, just completely dogging on Microsoft and it really pissed off Microsoft because they, they were like the, the main, the platinum sponsor of that event. <laughs> but that's him. And you have to know that's. And I also, um, yeah, so I got to talk to I went up and found him after the thing and just talked to him for a little bit. And I also met him. Did you go with me? It was, um, I went to um, the big annual, it's, what? Um, who just, what did Oracle just buy? NetSuite. I went to their big, their, their Dreamforce no, I went. never went to you any conferences, that? no. I'm trying to think of why I went to that. I might have been in town or something. You might have been in training at the same
1: time and Maybe popped so. over.
0: But they... Was, you
1: went to training before I did, and then there was okay. nothing
0: going on except an earthquake when I was there. Yeah. But then they brought him to speak there, too. And it wasn't as entertaining. But same thing. He was, like, unprepared. He had, he had like, sound effects and, and funny images and stuff. and But he can he just make that work. Hmm. It really wasn't related to anything of any reason why we were there. Just,
1: well, now I see your role model.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I that? Um, what's the opposite of apropos? Am I that uh, off-topic, just discombobulated? Is that a is that a good word or what? No, you're you're entertaining. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got. Uh, this is this is this is our uh, version of keeping it short—an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, because we and we're not even done. You have more. You have topic. No, oh, no, we can okay. be done. We can be done. Yeah, so an hour and ten—that's. I was just keeping it short. I feel like we've gone long, but I do want to say before we uh, wrap up here, I just want to thank everyone because I I noticed, I just looked at the numbers and we grew about 400% in the year 2016. I was trying to figure out that's an anomaly though. Well, we had, oh, December, because December was a big month. Yeah. Well, we had five, okay. It was, we had five, first of all, we had five episodes in December. And if you if you factor that in, it wasn't a big, it wasn't actually a big month. Now, what John's talking about is we our December numbers were pretty good, and we were looking. Well, no, it's no, it's just one episode. One episode. It, was, it was the last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the my, the Apple numbers shot up big time. So we can tell we get, you know, it's not great, but we can tell like if it's an iOS device, right, that people are listening on, and the iOS number shot way up. But I, then I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people. Not not only using iOS clients, Mm -hmm. but also the ratings and reviews help. That's why we always ask for those. Because I'm not sure exactly how, you never know when it's going to happen, but you can either get featured on the App Store, or you can just, you know, you come up higher in search results and stuff. Yeah. That helps. And speaking of that, we haven't had a review in like two months. I was about to say, I have a review. Oh, you do have a review? Yeah. I was waving my hand saying, oh, I had one more thing. Where'd that come from? Because I checked like yesterday and I didn't see anything. Was it from out of the United States? It was from New Zealand. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I can't see those, so. I want to go to New Zealand one day. I do. My sister just did a three-week honeymoon I there. I know.
1: I'm jealous. I know. Me too. So the
0: review is uh,
1: from I don't know how to pronounce this name. I don't even know if this is a real name. Probably not. <laughs> uh, Negov, N E G A V, and then the <laughs> the last name. What? I don't know. If, I don't know if this is a last name or a, or a nomic, or a kind of nickname. Ear pig banam. You're taking
0: the piss out of the guy for his name now. Trying. No,
1: I just it's it's weird to me ear 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 pig benam.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Well, we tried.
1: I, I tried. Okay. I tried. I really tried. Thank thank you for the review. But the uh, the subject is a uh, fun banter about the real best practices in Salesforce. And his review is pretty short, but it says weekly, accurate, real deep, open talks about Salesforce development and architecture. So thank you. We yeah. appreciate it.
0: Thank you. And
1: that was on December. 30th. Okay. So
0: yeah, slipped it right in.
1: Slipped it right in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so your news new everyone's news resolution should be to, to write a review.
0: Or or at least just <laughs> click the stars, right? You can you don't have to type words if you don't like words. Just the stars. And just type some weird stuff yeah. so,
1: so I have to struggle with stinks. It helps it.
0: people find it helps people. Okay, I've keep saying this. We we our coverage of the Salesforce ecosystem, especially if you think there's three point and it's on Salesforce's website. Three point oh million developers. I mean, they're very specific about this. <laughs> oh, they're down point to the decimal. Three point zero 3.0 million developers. You know, we we've got such an infinitesimally small fraction of those that people need to it's just a discovery problem. Like people don't know about us. Believe it or not, John.
1: Or maybe they do know about no, us and they ran well, away. Either that, either
0: that, yeah. It's either that or we're just bad. And we
1: talked about Apple for the first 30 minutes and didn't talk about Salesforce.
0: We're all over the place and we're, it's probably a horrible podcast that's has no, <laughs> it's incoherent and makes no sense. But we enjoy it, so. We do, but I don't know. I'd like to think that people just don't know about us. So tell your friends, click the stars, please. It helps. I think it helps. Jeremy, get off your knees. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to that I, I, yeah no no hang on that painted a potentially very inaccurate picture so i'm not on my knees maybe metaphorically yes i'm i'm asking for help from the community that's all that's happening here folks and to that i say good day sir you get nothing you lose good day sir oh johnny boy the pipes, the pipes are calling. No, 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 so much no! Oh my gosh!